Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's a beautiful day. We thought we would throw you a curveball and head outside and do some recording, and we just think it's a beautiful setting for it. You may get a lot of wind, but I'm excited to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with you this morning. Uh, before we get started, just want to uh, encourage you, as, as you probably have seen our posts leading up to today, I uh, encourage you to try to make this as much like a regular Easter Sunday as possible. I think that would be good for all of us. And as we talked about that and thought, what would that include? Uh, as important as the resurrection is, that certainly is our main focus. But, you know, the second most important thing about Easter Sunday is what we're wearing. And uh, getting dressed up and making a, uh, a fun day of it as family time. And so I have on my Easter egg shirt. This is the brightest, most Easterly shirt I have. And so we want to encourage you to get dressed up as a family and uh, get in your Easter best, and then after you worship together, take a bunch of pictures together, whoever you're with, take pictures and post them so we can all enjoy seeing each other and just kind of having to, we try to encourage everyone to worship at the same time today at 1030, so we just wanted to have that sense of we're all together, and we're all excited of gathering together even though it is virtually, so I want to encourage you to just post those pics of your family so we can see how beautiful your children look, and uh, have a great meal together. And then we will uh, just do the best we can to make this a great time of worshiping together on, in these unusual circumstances. Uh, as we get started, I ask Pastor Jared to come, and he's going to get us started with the word of Scripture. Good morning, church fam. It's so good to be with you on this Easter Sunday. I love Easter, and I always have this memory that the church I grew up in, and the worship pastor would always say, this responsive call of he is risen and the congregation would say he is risen indeed so let's try that he is risen let's do it one more time he is risen that's the truth that that christ has risen from the grave psalm 66 i want us to read this together verses 1 through 8 and be reminded of just the praise that is due our god because he is risen from the grave Psalm 66, 1 says this, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give to Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in His deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in Him who rules by His might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of His praise be heard. Let's watch this video together and be reminded of God's faithfulness. And then let's sing his praise that the nations might hear.
together Cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds, his hands, his feet My Savior on that cursed tree His body bound, his body bound And drenched in tears They laid him down in Joseph's tomb The entrance by heavy stone Messiah still and all
Wow, what a great time of worship. You know, there's just something about singing praises to the Lord that, that lifts our soul. I know that my family has just experienced that. We've been moved to tears as we've worshiped uh, with the video that Granger has led worship with, and it's been a great experience. I hope that you've enjoyed that as well. I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 50 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58. Now, as we come to this text, uh, we, need to, we need to review where we've been because really over the last several weeks, we've been reviewing, we've been working through chapter 15. And when we come to these verses, we've, we need to remember where we've been so that we understand what Paul is talking about. Uh, and as we think about what Paul has been saying, I want to take us all the way back to verse 3 of chapter 15. And this is where Paul began this whole section we're in. And he began with this reminder of the glorious good news of the gospel. Listen to what he said in verse 3. He said, For I delivered to you as of primary or first importance what I also received. So Paul was saying, I preached to you what Jesus gave to me. And then here's what he said. He said that Christ died for our sins. This is the heart of the gospel. Christ died for our sins in fulfillment of the scriptures. And he was buried. And that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And so Paul is reminding us of the glorious good news of the gospel. And he starts this section saying that Jesus Christ died for our sins, taking the penalty that we deserved, and he was buried. He was a body, he was a person, he was the God-man who took, took our sins upon himself. He was buried in a grave. But then the good news is three days later, he rose from the grave. And that's what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday. But apparently some people were struggling to believe this message. Some people were having trouble in particular with the resurrection part. They, they just had a hard time believing that their own bodies would be resurrected from the grave. Because that's what Paul teaches us. Is that by our union with Christ, when Christ was buried, our old self was buried. And, and one day when, when Christ would rise, one day we will rise just like Christ rose from the grave. And so he's been telling us good news that we will experience a bodily resurrection from the grave. And some people are having a hard time believing this. And they were struggling. And so Paul begins this long dissertation in chapter 15, which is a long chapter, on convincing us of the truth that our bodies will be resurrected from the grave. And, and he's been talking about what that's like and how glorious those bodies will be. And we saw last week that instead of these weak, earthly, lowly bodies that we suffer with, he says the new body is way beyond this. The resurrected body is going to be glorious. And it's been really encouraging uh, during this time that we've been going through this health crisis it's been very encouraging that Lord would have us in these scriptures that are just filled with hope and encouragement that this life is not all there is. That yeah, our bodies may get sick, our bodies grow weak and they decay. And one day, whenever the Lord 
decided it's our time, we are buried as our bodies are buried as they die. But the great news that Paul's been saying is all throughout this chapter is that's not the end of the story for those who are in Christ. That there's a resurrection coming. The body will be raised back to life. And this new body is profoundly transformed and profoundly better than what we experience in these tired, weak, frail bodies that we have now. And so that brings us to our passage today in verses 50 through 58. And in these verses, Paul continues to convince us that we are going to experience a future bodily resurrection. And after he convinces that and wraps up that argument, he, at the end of our verses, he wraps the whole chapter up with a song of victory is what really it is. He's singing the victory that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer. My prayer is that this is an encouraging message for you. I pray that if you're growing weary and, and tired and, and grow, starting to despair, man, don't go there. God is alive. God has resurrected from the grave, and he has a glorious plan for your life. So I pray that you are encouraged. Let me ask God to encourage us now. Lord, as we look at your scriptures that you have preserved for us, for our instruction, for our encouragement, Lord, I know that so many people need encouragement this morning. And I pray that you would just by your spirit to all who are listening, that you would just fill them with joy and hope and encouragement that is found in the victory of the resurrection from the grave. Lord, we want all this for your glory, for you rose Christ from the grave, promising us a future resurrection as well. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let's look at verse 50. This starts out where Paul says, basically, let me, let me tell you why you can be convinced of this. He says, you're gonna be, you can be convinced that you're going to be resurrected from the grave because you absolutely have to for God to do what he promises to do. In verse 50, he says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It can't handle it. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And so let's just pause there for a minute. Once again, Paul is saying, trust me, you're going to have a resurrected body. And now his reasoning is that this, this weak, perishable body, perishable body can't handle the future, glorious future that God has in store for us. And he says, the flesh and blood, it just can't handle, it can't inherit the kingdom of God. And John 3, he says, you must be born again, not by the flesh, but by the Spirit of God. And, and so this perishable body needs to be born again imperishable. It needs to be transformed in order for God to deliver us into his eternity. And so he says, that's why you know it's going to happen. Because what you got now, it's not good enough. And so last week we saw our current bodies are perishable, they're lowly, and they're weak. But Paul said your, your resurrection bodies will be completely opposite. They'll be imperishable, and they'll be glorious, and they'll be strong, which we saw was strong meant healthy, energetic, and vibrant, and full of vigor and energy to do what God has called us to do. And so Paul says that's why you can know you're going to have a resurrected body because God has a glorious future for you that you can't experience without a new resurrected body. And so this is very encouraging because you and I know our current bodies decay. 
And we know ultimately they die. But Paul says that in itself should be a reminder of why you know you're going to get a new one. Because every time you feel the, the frailties or the weakness of this body, every time you're afraid of the, the virus or death, just remember, that's a reminder that God has to give us a new resurrected body. Because this one just can't fulfill his plans for us in the future. The new resurrected bodies will last forever. They'll stay healthy forever. They won't decay. They will be at prime condition. They'll be glorious and strong and healthy and able to experience fully the obedience of God's will and carry out what God has ordained for us to do forever and ever and ever. It's a glorious reality. And as glorious as that is, that's the reason you can know. It has to happen. You have to have a new body to be able to fulfill that, that will that God has for us because this body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul has taught us to look to Jesus to understand what this new resurrected body is going to be like. So on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to just take a moment. Let's review the resurrection passages in Matthew and in John. And let's look for hints and clues to what, what kind of body did Jesus have when he resurrected? Or what kind of state was Jesus in when he resurrected? Was it a ghost? Was it like an angel? Was it bodily? What was it? So follow along with me as I read the the account from Matthew 28, verse 1. Matthew writes, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now skip down to verse 5. He said, But there was an angel who said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Now, stop for just a minute there. So there's there's our first clue. What is the angel doing to the women? He's showing them something. He's showing them the empty tomb where there's something missing. The body is not there. So that's our first clue about the nature of his resurrection is that the body is missing. And then the angel says, goes on in verse 7 and says, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now what will they see? Are they going to see a ghost? Are they going to see a, a spirit? What are they going to see? Verse 8 tells us, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, and he said, greetings. Okay, so they met Jesus. Jesus met them. They saw him. They recognized him as they spoke to him. And then it says, they come up, and they took hold of his feet. They fell down. Where were his feet? They're down. So they obviously fell prostrate on the ground and were worshiping him, and they're grabbing his feet. So clearly he has a body. He has feet that they're holding on to. And they worshipped him. And in verse 10 it says, And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So Jesus' resurrection was a bodily resurrection. And so will ours be. Ours will be a bodily resurrection. But I want to keep reading and see more accounts of the resurrected Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, 
The doors being locked. This is this is kind of tripping here. I'm not really sure what to do with this passage. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were all followers of Jesus that who had just been crucified. And so they're behind locked doors and they're afraid. But listen to this. Jesus came and stood among them. Somehow, I don't know if he like went through the door or what. But Jesus came and stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. Maybe they opened the door. I don't know. But when he said this, he then, look look what it says. He showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad they saw the Lord. And so clearly he is a physical body in the spiritual form. He has the scars in his hands and in his side. Now, some theologians or most theologians say that that, that those scars are only there because Jesus, that's a very purposeful scar, just for Jesus to show his identity, and that many don't think we will have scars. I don't know. I think it's whatever God wants us to have for his purposes and for his glory, but I do know it'll be physical bodies. And so we continue in verse 26 of John 20. More appearances. Eight days later, his, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them although the doors were locked. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Again, the door was intentionally mentioned as being locked, but Jesus gets in. Okay, so I don't know if our bodies will be that that radically different that we'll be able to go through things or not, but clearly he had a physical body, and the body, the Bible says our bodies will be like his resurrected body. Verse 27, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas got it. Thomas answered him and said, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those, and this is talking about you and me, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in the book, but these, your scriptures, these are written in this book so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that's referring to eternal life. Sharing in the life of Jesus that transcends the grave. And that's what my prayer is for every person listening this morning. Is that you would come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ would participate in the eternal life source of Jesus Christ. So that you could have the hope that transcends our circumstances. That will transform these bodies once they're buried in the ground like a seed. That is only the beginning of the new radical transformation of new life that will come for those who are in Christ. So there's no question. The question is not, will there be a future bodily resurrection for believers? That's the wrong question to ask. The question that each of us has to ask and answer for ourselves is, am I trusting solely in Jesus Christ? That's the question I hope you can settle today. Don't put it off. Just settle it now. Just 
push pause if you have to and say, Lord, I want to trust you as my Lord, as my Savior. I want eternal life that you promise to those who are trusting only in your son Jesus. I pray you'll make that decision today. Continuing in verse 51, Paul explains a bit more about the how and the when we get this new resurrected body. Look what he says in verse 51. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. Now in the scriptures, when they say this, this is not a, I'm telling you something that's clouded. It's saying, I'm going to reveal to you understanding something that was formerly not understood. Christ opens up the mysteries. He says, we shall not all sleep, or that's a term for Christians and dying. He says, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Here the emphasis is on all. Not all will sleep, but all will be changed. So Paul is saying whether a believer is alive or not, when Christ returns, every believer's body will, must be transformed into the new resurrection body. It continues in verse 52 to tell us the how and the when. He says in verse 52, in a moment, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, or that's the, the blinking of an eye. In other words, instantaneously at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So what Paul is saying is, it's certain you're going to have a new body. Everyone, every Christian, alive or dead, the body's being alive or the body's being dead at the time that Christ returns. But when he comes and that last trumpet sounds and he comes back and he trumpets forth the bodies from the grave, if we're with him because we've already passed or we're standing here, when he, if he were to come right now, it happens instantaneously. Our bodies are radically transformed into the new, resurrected, glorious bodies that can handle the eternal glory that he has in store for us. How can we know for certain? Paul tells us in verse 53, this perishable body must, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on the immortality. It must happen for us to be able to inherit the kingdom of God. In Philippians 1.6, Paul, same writer, says, says something that's beautiful. He says, and I am sure of this, referring to God, he says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at that day, the day of Jesus Christ. He says that God has saved you he is working on you, sanctifying you, and one day when Christ returns, he's going to finish the process. God will finish what he has started in your life. You can count on his faithfulness. This brings us to Paul's final song of victory. It's the victories that, that we enjoy by our participation in Christ. Those who have faith in Christ as their sole hope for eternal life this is the victory that you can claim. It's three victories. He says, first of all, we see that in Christ, we have victory over death. Look at verse 54. He says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, and he quotes the Old Testament scriptures, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death. Where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your sting? You have been swallowed up in God's victory. 
In this first victory, he's taunting death. Paul is singing a song and he's sticking the finger in death's face. It's literally a taunt. He personifies death and he says, hey, death, where's your sting? I thought you, I thought you were so bad. You've been defeated. I'm not afraid of you. When Jesus rose from the grave, that was the end of your power. I'm in Christ. Death doesn't hurt me. I have victory over you. He's, he's totally taunting death and saying, hey, you've got nothing on me anymore. And that's, that's what we should do. I know it's not easy. I know it's hard to live by faith. It's so easy to live by sight. But the gospel gives us the ability to taunt death and say, you don't define me. You don't own me. You don't reign and rule over me. I have victory over the grave. So those of us who are in Christ, we can sing a song of victory, victory over the grave. Death has no sting for us. But why is it that it has no sting? Well, that leads us to the next one. Paul says, because you have victory over sin. Look at verse 56. He says, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason we have victory over death is because in Christ, we're given victory over sin. Sin is the stinger. If you think about a bee that comes in and stings you, you look at it and there's pain or swelling and you see there's symptoms of that stinger. But when you go in and you remove the stinger, you know you remove the source of the pain, of the poison, and you know there's healing coming. That's what sin did to our bodies. Sin is what led our bodies to decay and ultimately death. But Jesus, by dying on the cross, he took our sin, he took the penalty of our sin upon himself. And so we no longer have to face the penalty of sin. And not only that, but Paul tells us in Romans, we also don't have to face the, we don't have to face the, face the penalty of sin but we also are set free from the power of sin in our life. We no longer are enslaved to sin's power. We no longer have sin as our master. Jesus is our master, and we become servants to holiness and to sacrifice instead of to self-indulgence and sin. And so we're currently set free. We currently have victory over the penalty of sin. We have freedom from the power of sin And one day when Christ returns and gives us our new body, we have freedom from the presence of sin. There's no longer going to have any effects of sin on our bodies. We're going to be set free from it completely. Sin will be abolished and we'll live forever apart from any presence, power, or penalty of sin in our lives or in our bodies. Because why? Because Jesus took it on the the cross. Paul says this in in union language in Romans 6, verse 5 and following. He likes to talk about being united. He says, for if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So this is all part of God's plan so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. 
Another way to say this is God saved you. That's justification. It's like you've never sinned. Penalty's gone. God is saving you. That's sanctification. That's making you learn how to walk in holiness instead of sin. And God will save you. That's glorification. That's when there is no more presence of sin and your body and your life and your mind is completely free, completely free from the effects of sin. It's a glorious reality. The final victory that we see Paul says that Christ gives us in the resurrection is victory over vanity. Victory over life being meaningless. Now I'm going to tell you this one hits me. This is my greatest fear. I don't fear death, but I I have something in me that just hates the idea that my life doesn't count for something. That what I'm doing is not helping. That there's no significance in it. And I'll just be real transparent with you. This has been a real joy for me the last few weeks in this crisis was just having a sense of joy that I'm able to help people during this time, that I have a gospel message that is filled with hope and joy during these dark days. And that's very rewarding to me. But imagine if, if you thought the end of your life, you're dead, you, the worms eat your body, and that's it. There's nothing to it. That's terrible. But Paul tells us the resurrection of Christ guarantees that your life will have victory over vanity. In verse 58, he says, Therefore, beloved. So basically, all these great truths about the resurrection, but now let me exhort you today about how you should live. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. The resurrection gives us victory over vanity, victory over our life being lived in vain. He concludes with its exhortation. He's saying, in light of the resurrection, stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't let anyone move you off of the path of faithfulness. Don't let anything turn you away. Don't let yourself and your mind and discouragement and despair cause you to get off track. He says, stay faithful. Be solid. Keep working out, carrying out your Christian labors. Because when you get to the end of your life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ tells you it will all be worth it. Because you'll be raised to meet your Lord, your master face to face, and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. So I don't know, maybe you're despairing today. Maybe maybe you've looked at your bank account, your your retirement account, and as the market has tanked with double black swan events that have taken place, and as you've watched the value of your bank account tank or your market tank, maybe your identity is tanking. Maybe your self-image is tanking. Or maybe your business that you've put your whole life's work into It's struggling and you wonder if it's going to be able to survive what we're going through. There's all kinds of reasons that we could despair right now. If our identity, if our hope is is filled with the things of this world of bank accounts and business, then we're tempted to despair. But if you view what you're doing as a way of serving the Lord and serving others, if you view your business as a way to minister to people with the services you provide, if you 
view your money as resources to provide for your family and to provide for, your, your, for the ministry of the gospel and for people in need. If you view your life as giving your life away to serve the Lord and to serve others, then Paul says, if to live is Christ, then to die is only gain. And so I pray that you are encouraged to know that as you expend your life for the gospel, just know this, it will not be in vain. It'll be worth it. So stay faithful to the end. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would encourage all of us with these words as we, as we see that this life is temporary, but there's a glorious body and eternal life to come, that it frees us to give our life, our resources, to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others, for your glory, Lord. I pray it will move us to be faithful. Encourage us to be faithful immovable, steadfast in the labors that you call us to. Lord, use this resurrection truth to embolden us to take your glorious gospel to the people that we love, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to the nations. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey church, well it definitely is the most unusual Easter service that we've ever had as a church. And since we're all stuck in our homes, we thought that we would invite you into our home as we sing this last song about the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
Thanks for joining us for Easter. If you're a guest here with us this morning and you're, you're tuning in, we are so glad that you are here, and we long for the day where we can gather together and meet you face to face. If you don't mind, right now, just take a moment and text NFCC guest to 97000. This is one of the best ways for you to get connected and for us to share with you how to stay connected during this time. Also, one of the best ways for everyone to, to stay connected is to go to our website, norrisferrychurch.org. And on our homepage, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter that we push out with all the information you need right now during this time. But also at the top of the page, you can click the At Home tab. And this is going to bring you to a page that provides for you all the discipleship resources you need during this time right now. And so you can see on there that we have resources available for every age, from kids to students to adults. So please go there, check out these resources, and the staff is putting out new things every single week. Also on this page, if you just scroll down a little bit, there's going to be a prayer and request help section. This prayer and request help section is there for you to fill out if you need prayer or if you just need help with something, if you have a need. And so as soon as you fill out that form, all the staff will receive an email and we'll contact you and we'll pray for you or we'll figure out a way how to meet the need that you have. And so please, please utilize that. We are here for you and we want to, we want to be praying for you and we want to help you in any way that we can. Now, before we close, I just want to let, leave you with this benediction. All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, the God of all consolation. Do not rely on yourselves alone, but put your trust in Him. For the God who can raise the dead to life again will also deliver you. Have a great Easter, and don't forget to post your Easter photos on the comments below. 